Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Donald Trump approach to numbers of the podcast. <laughs> yes, it's true, the scoring system in the Premier League is corrupt. And I'm joined by the Helder Costa own goal of the podcast. What a complete joke. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? Uh, well, you know, there are only two of us on today and... and Normally, when I'm in the third slot, I can understand why I get shit canned. But 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 been in the in the second slot and still getting getting no verbal abuse. I'm, I think I'm gonna have to lo- launch some sort of uh, inquiry about that. Yeah, I'm all right. I've I've had a bit of a, a bit of a weird day. I got I got up this morning and um, I decided that I was gonna make my wife some some dal. Um, and I just couldn't get it right. Oh, and I spent seven hours trying to get this dial right. And it and it, <laughs> it it just wouldn't quite come right. And it very, very, very much reminded me of yesterday's game. <laughs> that I was I was trying to do everything correctly. I was following all the steps. I was trusting the process. But would the fucking thing work? No, it wouldn't. How was the dial in the end though? Was it a four one dial or a a late headed goal? I don't know. I think I think it was a narrow defeat. Um <laughs> although Lauren was very gracious. <laughs> <laughs> But there we go. That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. So it's been some hours since the the result. Um, how are you feeling now, with at least twelve hours under your belt to sort of process what what went on? Twelve hours and a rewatch. Yeah, kind of much the same as I. I mean, it was it was a, a really frustrating and upsetting experience to to watch the match itself, and and I, and I just kind of it just reminded me of just how how unfair football can be sometimes I'm not you know not by any means suggesting that I think that I think we were brilliant yesterday because I absolutely don't think that was the case but there's absolutely no way on this earth that 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 game should have finished 4-1 if you replayed that game at you know an infinite number of times it'd it'd finished 4-1 very very few times within that and 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 that just it, it reminded me a lot of of some of the the games in Maybe more in Bielsa's first season at the club, where where we we would quite often go behind to stupid early goals and then really struggle for the rest of the match, um, and and kind of in retrospect, that's it, I just I just feel an overwhelming sense of frustration. I think. Yeah, I I 
I'm very similar to you, and I think especially coming off the back of a four-one loss um, the week before, um, it's just it's a bit it's a it's a tricky one to take, especially because I feel like on this channel we try and strike some sort of balance between when uh, everyone thinks the team's terrible, when we don't think they're too bad, and uh, everyone thinks we're amazing when we think that actually we've maybe been a little bit lucky. Um, and the last two games, I think, have been. It's it's all well and good doing that when you sort of scrape draws with Luton and and when you lose narrowly by single goals, but when you lose by three goals two weeks in a row, it starts becoming pretty tricky to try and justify some of the arguments that that you make. But let's just get into some of the, we've got some sort of general questions to to kick off with. Um, so um, on the positive side, Wiggy says some same score two games running. My question from last week still stands. I actually think we were unlucky. The VAR, the own goal, and the great free kick plus missing players. It amuses me that people now criticise now criticising the transfer window, etc., or calling for Big Sam to be appointed. Um, Brolin ate the pie with tactically leads of demonstrating naivety in the place in the face of established superior players slash high performing opposition discuss um and i think that's the sort of general the general feeling that a lot of fans have got thomas wilson with a tongue in cheek is it safe to say we aren't winning the league um how do you come down on, on on this obviously two not great results especially against a team like i think leicester who I think many of us would have thought we could give a fairly good game, um, whether or not that's naive. But then against a team like Crystal Palace, they're absolutely the teams that we should be doing better against if we are to be comfortably in mid-table this season. Yeah, I think in terms of like thinking about naivety, I, I, I think that the, the, the only naivety I think we've shown is in the first 20 minutes against Leicester when the, when the conditions were so awful and we just continued to try and play the same game anyway. I, do, I don't think yesterday's defeat was down to naivety. That's not how I saw it at all. I, I, I saw that, that, that really it was down to massive slices of luck going Crystal's Pal- Crystal Palace's way throughout the game. So if you think about the first goal, yeah, it goes right in the top corner and, it, and, it, and you know, they've, they've got to the corner first, but it takes an enormous deflection off the back of Cox's head. Then if you think about, obviously, the, the second one's a great free kick and, you know, you can he's he's going to score that very few times out of out of a number of times if you think about the the third one the own goal clearly there's there's a huge slice of luck there and yeah you can ask questions about Melier in in terms of um how he dealt with that and then that's before you even get to the elephant in the room of the goal that we scored which was you know by by any stretch of the imagination i i, I don't know how how anybody can look at that and definitively say that that they can catch Bamford offside and the point of VAR I guess is to take away subjective decisions isn't it and and that was an absolutely subjective decision in my view there was no clear offside there so I I think if you look at it um, over the course of the two games I think Leicester deserved their victory and, and, and in many ways you know kind of outclassed us with the class of player that they had but I don't think that's true of the Palace game yesterday I, I think we I just think there was a there was an enormous amount of luck in the game. Yeah, and you know that's reflected in the XG, and we'll always fall back on XG in in response to games like this. And with the caveat that you know expected goals are the, res- the figures that are thrown out by a model which analyzes all of the yeah. chances that have, from across five leagues over a long, long um, time period, and it tries to um, push out a percentage figure. Um, of the the possibility of those chances being scored, all things being equal, um, and Statsbomb have put out their xG, and that the xG was one to Crystal Palace, and then 0.8 to Leeds. Um, 
the other thing to say, I think, is that with game state, things changed considerably uh, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, the the final goal, which I think was the the only one, which was really the result of defensive. Um, I don't want to say naivety, but it was a defensive blunder um, somewhere in the man-marking system. We can have a chat about that at some point. Yeah, but yeah. Um, that only happens when you're 3-1 down, uh, I think. We're pushing for pushing for a goal. Uh, Jack Harrison turns the ball over in the, the attacking third. And then when it comes back down the field, we end up with a mistake in the man-marking system. And uh, Jordan Ayew has a, a, a basically a free chance on goal. With um, To be fair, I thought Alioski did a really good job of actually stopping him from scoring. Um, again, we talk about game state on here a lot. The game state definitely affected it. When yeah. you go, when you go one nil down and then get a goal back one one, and look, I, I don't really like talking about refereeing decisions because whatever, there's nothing you can do about them. Uh, but that one, I think, really stuck in the craw a bit because yeah. you know that should you feel like well, you know, we've done enough to be one one here. Really, most people will look at that offside, and you can talk about the letter of the law all you like, but I think most people will think that that's an injustice, um, regardless of the way that the law has been written, not least because that law the, to the handball rule has been changed in recent um, weeks. Yeah. It's not even that. It's that This is like the first game back, and Pat Bamford has essentially been punished for pointing to where he wants the ball to go. Yeah. If he didn't point for where he wanted the ball to go, that goal would have stood. Nothing would have changed. He's just lifted his arm forward, and that, that seems a little bit unfair. Uh, but when you take that into account, and we could have been 1-1, and then maybe the game settled down a bit, um, that doesn't go in, and then they score a free kick. 2-0 down, and you're away from home, and you know even even the team like Leeds on, on, in full strength with a full squad would have struggled to overturn that, that, that deficit. Absolutely, particularly with the way that Palace set up. Once they go 2-0 up, I think that the chances of turning that over are, are very, very slim. It's one thing to do it against teams who are, who are playing a, a fairly kind of open game or, or a game where they're playing a bit higher up the pitch. But there were, there were, you know, there were times in that second half where, where Palace had every single player behind the ball and the onus was very much on us to break it down. And, and, and in the final analysis, we just weren't able to do that. And whether that's through poor individual performances, whether it's through not having the personnel on the pitch, whether it's uh, through, you know, kind of keep keep trying similar things, which we know are not coming off, the, the end result is the same. We, 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 we were very unlikely to be able to turn that, that, that deficit, that 3-1 deficit around in the second half. So I'm going to say the worst thing about the offside is I had to agree with Richard fucking Keyes, which is not something I ever want to do because you know, in his <laughs> show and he talked about it, I had to click on it and everything. <laughs> Yeah, I think tactically it was quite interesting because when I saw the the subs that Hodgson had made, I actually I'd spent a lot of the week being like, you know, Palace are going to sit back, they're going to be quite, um, they're going to try and hit us on the counter attack. Actually, as soon as I saw that team sheet, and I said to some of my friends, I said this is actually going to be a lot more open, at least at the start than than people are expecting, yeah. and um, it actually came through, and um, it 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 was much more open. When when I saw that he'd gone with Ayu as as a as a centre forward option rather than Batshuayi. Um, I yeah. was interested, and then obviously playing, not playing Jeff Schlup and playing um, Iberi Eze. Um, Eze yeah. It was it was always going to be actually a far more open game, and I thought they did a really good job of of sitting in a bit more of a mid block and trying to cut us out in our transition phases, and then trying to get forward quickly from there. And I, I think it it worked really really quite well. Um, that said, there's just I just keep getting this overriding feeling that it's not even like we get we're getting undone tactically. And I know we talked no. about this a lot with 
Brendan Rodgers write about. You know, he set out with his tactics and, and they worked largely. But it just feels as though it's just little things where we're just getting punished inordinately. So, for example, take the take the corner, as you mentioned. Like, yeah, of course, we can, we can talk all we look like about conceding from corners and our stats from conceding from corners. But... It, it feels like that feels like an outlier that corner it doesn't feel like we deserve to score from it um same with the free kick you know like we have a lot of people in our feed after the game being like well you know if we don't concede that corner and we don't concede that free kick then we we don't make we don't we're not two nil down you know so it's sort of our fault as though yeah. every time a defender does anything and then a goal results from it we sort of have to have to take that but it's all about the percentages here like the odds of both of those things happening as, and as you've said it does does look like a big deflection off Robin Cox's head it feels like we have these games where outlier things just happen yeah like that that when have you ever seen an own goal like that ever I've never seen it known like that. I, I've, ne- I've never seen one like it either. No. Yeah, no. and I think when you when you add those three together, you've got you've got sort of like a fortuitous deflection from a corner, a free kick from from a way out, um, and then an outlier own goal that you've never seen before. You, I think you have every right to feel a little bit um, annoyed about that. And I think the problem then is that you then aggregate the feelings from the Leicester game and then the Palace game and then you say yeah. well we've got a real problem here there's obviously a problem with the defence we we need to tear up the copybook something's going wrong blah 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 and and then before we know it we're just sort of in this cycle of, of negativity so let's try and break that cycle of ne- negativity um, before we get on to start talking about I think the tactics of the game just one final question one from Nathaniel which was a good one I thought because he said how worried should we be Personally, I feel like we're finding our level, which is lower mid-table. But is there anything to suggest in the numbers we should be more concerned, e.g. Um, we've conceded the most in the league? So how, how do you feel about that, Darren? I'm still not, not too worried. I, 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 think, I think we are getting disproportionately punished at the moment, and I think we're always going to get punished more harshly in the Premier League than we, than we did in the Championship. But I, I, don't, I still don't think we're going to be in a relegation fight. I, I think that that these results have probably brought us back down to earth a little bit more, and I think that's probably necessary after the Villa game when we were all flying, we were all floating, we were fantastic against Villa, you know, and 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 we you know, and the the league kind of looked easy for a minute, but then when you think about it, we've only actually managed to take points off teams you would very much expect us to take points off um, in in terms of victories anyway. So I I kind of feel we're 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 playing to par or slightly below par because I think yesterday's result. You know, was, was a disappointing one. Um, mm. Even if you even taking the factors that we've talked about into into account. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think I feel like everyone's really worried about our defence, and I'm not really that worried about our defence. I'm more worried about our attack. Absolutely, yeah. Which is weird, right? I mean, if you look at the yeah. underlying numbers, I, I know that I um I messed up in the um in the preview podcast talking about Palace, but because I suggested that our underlying numbers were very similar, actually there are. Defense, our underlying defensive numbers are very similar with respect to Palace, um, yep. and our attacking numbers were much better than them. But our defensive numbers have been pretty good, I think, all all season. We've already mentioned that we only yep. conceded one point zero xg yesterday, according to Statsbomb. And if you talk if you talk about the individual chances, you know, the, I don't know how they rated the um, the header, but um, I, I I think the header was probably not a big chance. I know that Infogol had it as. Uh, 0.3 but I think it's probably a little bit lower than that the SA XG is obviously very low as well the only yeah. high XG goal is 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 obviously the um the IU one the final one. And you add all those yeah. together we've conceded th- we've conceded four goals from probably about probably about 
0.6 xg in total which is yeah wild um so i'm not too worried about the defense but certainly the the attack i'm i, I just don't we just don't this we break down way too easily where we weren't doing in the premier in the championship where we were yep. able to transition well we just look so unable to keep the ball in transition phases um so i don't know if you had any thoughts on on that absolutely i i think i completely agree i, I think that that in terms of you know kind of we've traditionally um defended well by attacking well that's kind of really how how we've worked over the last two years isn't it and um i think that the 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 final palace goal yesterday is is the problems that we're having this season in microcosm we get a really good breakaway we're three on three we've got um we've got men on each side and and just put just poor execution of the pass a sloppy pass which goes straight to their player and, and puts us, you know, because obviously what happens when, when we go forward is that we all flood. And because because I think people were expecting Harrison to find Rafinha or whoever was outside, I couldn't, I'm not sure who it was, probably Rafinha, on the outside, and he doesn't manage to do that, then we're, then we're in trouble. And then people haven't got chance to pick up mm-hmm. their man, and then we end up in disarray, which is exactly what happened for that final goal. Every, everyone, ends, everyone thinks somebody else is picking IU up. And that's that's how the goal ends up being scored. Stroik is picking Eze up and thinks Alioski's got him. Alioski thinks Stroik's got him. Um, quite where the central defenders were in that moment, I'm not yeah. really sure. But but I think I think it's be- it's because of that breakdown in attack that we end up in that position in the first place. Yeah, on that goal, I, I do think so. Ayu is being marked as you said by this. Basically, by the outside centre back on that side, which is Cooper. Um, yeah. Then Koch should be covering him, but obviously the ball's yeah. over on the on the right hand side um, of the defence. And um, for some reason, Cooper goes across. I haven't worked out why Cooper goes across. Well, we, yeah, we, we've seen this a lot though this season, haven't we? Where where when when people manage to beat a man on the edge of our box, what happens is a number of our players flood towards yeah, the ball and flood towards true. the player to block the shot. And I think that's all that was happening there. And I think yeah. Cooper assumed that Stroik would carry because at, at one point Stroik yeah. had IE. And then, and I think Cooper assumed that he was going to stay yeah. on him. It's definitely Strauch's fault after the Cooper movement. The decision yeah. from Cooper to move across is, like you say, all well and good. Um, yeah. But then Strauch doesn't follow him, and then, um, and then I, I guess Alioski then realizes there's a problem and, and jumps in. But yeah, yeah, I, 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 it's 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 very harsh because that's like one moment. And again, yeah. I, 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 we're going to talk about Strauch later on, um, but. Um, it's one moment where he's not covered up for someone else's movement in a whole in a game of of I mean at this point it's what sixty odd minutes, um, and that and it's one little thing and then suddenly they have a a great chance to to score yeah. and that's that. It's also three one down. Let's not forget. And, and Absolutely. I know that that's not to that's not to let them off, but I, I think no. you can understand why. At 60 minutes into a game where you feel like everything's going against you, that you might just turn off and be a little bit sloppy. Yeah, but the, the the other thing is that if Stroke if Stroke does go with um with with the man that the ball's getting played through to, he leaves Eze completely unmarked right on the edge of the box, and the ball just gets rolled to him instead. You know, yeah. so there's a it's kind. Of, I think it's I I I personally don't see it necessarily as a strike error. I more see it as a communication breakdown. So the, it wasn't clear to anybody who was picking the man up, mm. um, and and that should have you know a simple shout would have. One way or the other would would have solved it probably. What I will say as well is having watched Strout very carefully in that game because of people questioning whether or not 
my assessment of him during the first watching was any good, is that he is, whatever else you say about Strauch, I do think there are deficiencies in his game, but his ability to work the system of the man mark the man marking system in particular is yeah. I think almost sec- second to none to anyone in the in the team and I think that's why Bielsa likes playing him there because he knows that yeah. he 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 is his decision making is remarkably good for someone his age yeah I agree and so if you apply that to that goal then I don't think that we can simply say that he's been necessarily sloppy there there's there is almost no. certainly the case that he was trying to assess the 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 situation and made just made the wrong decision um so I think yeah. that needs to be taken into account as well Right, let's move on to talk about things going on in the first half in particular. Um, So Daniel Moroni asks an interesting question. So more of a question of personnel than system. Did we really need to bring Strauch back into the 11? Uh, It seems unusually reactionary from Bielsa, basing change on it not working against Leicester rather than what would work against Palace. We ended up with Ailing Koch, Cooper, Strauch, Alioski and Dallas all on the pitch until Roberts came on late. This seemed like a very defensive team composition against a team who, first 20 aside, were sitting deep in two banks of four, as expected. Uh, what, what do you think of that? I think that's a really interesting question. I, I, I'm not sure what would have happened had Shackleton been fit and had Bielsa decided that... that that Pablo was going to be in the squad because we, obviously we don't know what's gone on there, but it's clear that he was fit and available. So, had had he had he made the decision to 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 keep Pablo in the squad, would we have seen the same lineup? Maybe I don't I don't really know. However, what we what I do know about Palace, and this is something that I've I've kind of been aware of for for a number of years, and and they're actually a team I quite enjoy watching because I think they're really dangerous going forward. Um, and I, I think that it's absolutely right that you want a really solid holding player in against a team like Palace who've got individual skill in their front four. Um, whether, whether that, you know, largely that breaks down to, to Zaha, but um, but they're also, you know, yesterday there was also Eze there and he's a, he's a player that's caused Phillips problems in the past. Um, so I, I think... Um, I think it was absolutely right to make sure that we had, or to try and ensure that we had security in that in that central defensive midfield position. Mm. Um, in terms of the rest of it, I'd, I mean, Dallas is always in the starting eleven, always with, without fail. And and whatever else you say about Alioski, I don't think he's a particularly defensive player. I don't think he's a particularly effective attacking player either. But I'd, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't call him a. Um, a, a defensive player so I, th- I think it's a really interesting question and and I have to come down on the side of uh, I don't really know <laughs> <laughs> yeah a couple of things I would say firstly I would say that if you look at all the chances that we created it was through click basically click and Bamford's yeah. into into play if you yeah. if you don't play Strauch then you don't have click doing that and I think that's where the decision comes down um, that's fair and we talked a bit actually and Tom Woodhead mentioned it in terms of um in our, maybe in the chat, maybe not in the podcast, but um, about the body shape of of Mateusz Klick when he plays in the yeah. deeper lying role, um, yeah. and it's one where he sort of looks to go forward a little bit more. And actually, sometimes you don't want your number four or number six or whatever you want to call him doing that. I think actually yeah. a lot of criticisms of Strauch this weekend come from the fact that he actually played the position as Bielsa wants the position to be played. Um, yeah. Whereas I think people want sometimes the midfielder to be looking to be more progressive in in yeah. sort of playing crossfield balls or more progressive passes or whatever. Um, but that's something that we'll go on to talk to uh, talk yeah. about. The other thing is actually no one's really talked about Alioski. A few people said that he did they didn't think he was that good, but I actually thought he was okay yesterday. Um, there was a big moment where. 
Townsend got the ball very early on, actually, around the penalty spot, and he was there and defended him and cleared the ball yep. away, which could easily have been a big chance early on. Um, and then beyond that, I, I don't think he was that bad. I thought he did well to try and get back onto IU. I thought he largely... I mean, he's a brilliant off-the-ball player. Uh, he's yep. defensively very good. Yes, of course, he has um, he has shortcomings in terms of his, his build-up play and uh, going forward, and sometimes his decision-making around the goal is a little bit questionable. Um, and I think when yep. you marry that to... Um, Jack Harrison, who I think has similar problems in that respect. Um, it was maybe a case of the two of them being too similar uh, in that respect. But um, I actually thought Alioski was okay. And um, I, 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 I actually fine. think of Alioski as being more of an attacking player anyway. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that playing Strout was a good call. I think that tactically we were fine against Palace, I think it's just another case of not being, not getting to half time with anything to fight for, and then the game just sort of like eking away yeah. because because of that. Um, abs- we absolutely have to get to a point where we try and protect game state as long as possible because we know that once the, that first goal goes in, it, it's incredibly hard to come back in the Premier League, even against a team like Palace, who you might think of as being a bit more defensive. So it's one of those things where I just kind of think. Yeah, I don't think we were a problem. The problem wasn't that we were defensive or not attacking enough. The pro- part of the problem is uh, personnel. We don't have the personnel. Um, we didn't like who else. The the yeah. option that we've got is if we don't play, if we play click deeper, then who do you play in that hole? I, the only player that we have is Roberts. That was it. So you, if you're yeah. wanting to play, if you want to play click deeper, then you're going to have to play Roberts from the start. And I don't think anyone wants that. No, I agree completely. Agree, and I think that's one. I actually think there's. The, I'm. I'm I've only got a half-formed thought about this at the moment, but I think one of one of the problems w- when we line up in in the in the three three one three formation defensively is that, that I'm not actually sure that that the personnel that works best in that formation is the personnel that we would actually want on the pitch. Uh, uh, do you know what I mean in terms of in terms of our attacking play? Because I think it limits the number of creative midfielders that we can get into the team. Now mm. I don't think we had the creative midfielders to put in the team yesterday, so I think it's kind of a yeah. moot point. But yeah. I, but I think there's something about how how we set up in that in that um, three three one three, which which can be a bit of a struggle. Which is I think why Forshaw was playing there in the preseason last year because I think um, Bielsa was trying to trying to solve that problem. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, and I think. I, I think actually Dallas was fairly anonymous yesterday. I don't yeah. think he added a huge amount defensively or offensively. No, um, I agree. And I'm not entirely sure why that might have been the case. Possibly because Palace were overloading on that side anyway, so maybe he just yeah. got tied up too much defending. But um, look, I, our issues are with tran- are, in, are in transition. There are yeah. issues of attacking transition. I think defensively, we transition really well. I know it sometimes looks really messy, and I think people latch on to that and they say, you know, oh, if we haven't have stopped Jamie Vardy there or hadn't stopped Harvey Barnes there, then they've got a real clear chance of scoring. But in the Leicester game, that didn't happen. We weren't, we weren't caught out in the Leicester game because of poor defensive transitions. We were caught out because of other things. Same yesterday. We didn't yeah. think we were really... Yeah. There, there was a few, there's a few examples of where coming down that side, Eze and, and Zaha look very dangerous, um, yeah. of course, but... At the same time, like they didn't score from those chances, and that's that's what your defensive system is. Your defensive system isn't not conceding any chances. Your your defensive system is should be designed to stop people from scoring easy chances. And I feel yeah. as though if you've done that, 
as a defense you should be pretty pleased with what you've done um it's about yeah it is about being pragmatic and saying you know like even for example the free kick that we gave away that led to a goal would you rather that that Koch doesn't go in for that and Eze is through on goal probably one-on-one with Melier or would you rather have a sort of one in one in 20 probably less than that one in one in 40 chance of scoring from a free kick Obviously, you Absolutely. play the percentages there every time, uh, and so this yeah. is. I think this is why we we make that point that we feel as though we've been unlucky because we played the percentage play and it's gone against us. And and percentage yeah. plays are always going to have the negative possibility, and the consequences have happened for for us each time. Um, Richard Lang says, "Was today down to our system's inability to cope with teams countering, or our uh, our offensive system not being able to transition quickly enough to set up our man marking defensive system?" Um, it seems every time that we they countered, we seem clueless who was supposed to be picking up who. So, what's your take on the um, the man marking system in the game yesterday? Yeah, again, I I think we we go back to the point that that the, the breakdown came because when we were in attack, we weren't we weren't secure enough in possession fundamentally. And if if you're not secure in possession and your players move into positions where they expect you to be secure in possession, then you're going to be in problems when you lose. The, you're going to have problems when you lose the ball. And I th- I really do think it's as simple as that. I think if Rodrigo would have been playing yesterday, we'd have been in a completely different kettle of fish because he is outstanding in the transition. He picks the ball up from the defenders. He always makes the right decision, and he doesn't. He doesn't. Although he takes risks, he doesn't put the ball into places where the risk will lead to attacking chances in quite the same ways. His, his decision making around which pass to pick is much better than than some of the some of the stuff we saw yesterday. So I, I really I think it's a combination of of personnel um, and of of poor decision making and poor execution of those decisions. Yeah, I think what you say really important there is that there is a correlation between the defensive system that we use and the attacking system that we use. And yeah. I think the issue has been not that the defensive system isn't good enough, but the defensive system is being overly relied on now to the extent that that you're just putting yourself more and more at risk. If you're if you're always turning the ball over in attacking transition and allowing them easy chances back at, at your end, then the likelihood of having that mix-up that we ended up having in the 63rd minute, whenever the fourth yeah. goal came in, um, emerges because you've you've just sort of tempted fate too many times. And Absolutely. The, the point is, is that, and, and we've pointed this out numerous times in video analysis, of when you have Rodrigo on the field, he just gives... It just allows you to transition the ball into much more dangerous areas far more often um, yeah. than someone like Jack Harrison was doing yesterday. Now, Jack Harrison's a great player and and sometimes he'll be up against fullbacks who really struggle against him. But unless you have that out ball, and I guess this is where Rafinha was brought in as well, because I think yeah. they see Rafinha as being the sort of player who can, one, get the ball under control and then move it into a dangerous area just by dribbling. Um, Rodrigo's the same, but mainly with passing. He does progress the ball through dribbling a bit if he picks it up in a sort of transition phase deep in his own half and can run into space uh, but at the same time a lot of that is just about giving your um, team the, the wherewithal and the ability to get into dangerous areas rather than sort of getting to the halfway line losing the ball having to transition back and then yep. just going through those motions over and over again yep there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right, the second half. We had a few questions about, I guess, changing things up. So um, I've, I've shoved these in the second half section. So Martin Barrett says, does Bielsa need a plan B in the Premier League, even if he thinks that they aren't needed? Um, and Andrew Foster says, is doing plan A, but better sustainable throughout a Premier League season for this squad? Or do we need to change tact? So how would you um, go about thinking about that? I think that's an entirely academic question, to be honest, because I think we know exactly what, what's going to happen and that, that's Bielsa's going to do Bielsa things. Um, I, I'm not quite, when people say they want a plan B, what, well, what is that plan B? What, what, what plan B would they like? Would they like mass-ranked defence? Would they like some sort of... Do you know what I mean? There's some sort of... I, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what, what the plan B is to which people refer because the way I see it is that we, we attack in a very structured, very, um, very clear, very defined way and we also defend in a very clear and very defined way and I think that, um, I think that if you start thinking about other tactical systems that, that, that could be introduced at this stage, I, I think you you probably cause more problems than than you solved is, is my take on it really because mm. I think fundamentally the systems that we've got work now the results of the last two games obviously don't don't bear that out but I think fundamentally the systems work um, so I, I'm you know I, I kind of I'd like to hear what people's ideas are about what they'd like that plan B to be but I, I'd be I, I don't think we're going to see one mm. uh, in terms of a fundamental change in approach. I think Bielsa is more tactically uh, flexible than people give him credit for already, to be honest. I suppose the question is, what do you mean by plan B? Do you mean a, a yeah. different... Do, do people want us to sit deep against Palace from the off last yeah. yesterday? Um, because I don't think... I mean, one, we don't have the personnel to do that, but two, like, I don't think anyone's suggesting that, in which case they're saying, well, once things aren't working, then change them around. But to be honest... I, I, our upside comes from the fact that Bielsa has developed a side who are really good at exploiting space and yep. oppositions know that so they know that if they can get an early goal from some way even from a set piece or whatever and then sit back that they know that Leeds aren't going to have a huge amount to offer I don't other than just having some kind of like meaty forward who he then just belt the ball to endlessly I don't really see what's going to change and to be honest with you kind of what happens is that right? Yeah, right, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so much yesterday, really, but like there's been games where we've just sort of tried to get it to Bamford in the box from wide areas, yeah. from crosses, and everyone complains about that anyway. Like, what do you expect is going to change? You're just going to get someone who's even bigger and maybe better with heading the ball than Bamford. Other than that, I can't really see what what a plan B would look like. So I th- I think that look, Bielsa is one of the probably one of the most tactically astute managers in this league insofar as he can yeah. I mean how many games have we come out and been better in the second half than the first half? That's what yeah. the plan B is, right? It's doing plan A but better. He brings on someone else, he shifts things around. Against Leicester City we looked a bit better, I thought, in the second half because he shifted things around a bit and um I think you just have to accept that you know we aren't as good as we like to think we are in this league and um yeah. And to a certain extent, we're just getting absolutely kiboshed by giving away early goals and yeah. or the first goals at least. And um, yeah, 
what can you do about that other than not give those away? I don't think these goals are coming from poor defensive systems. I think they're just coming from situations. And so tell the players to be like uber careful not to give away yeah. chances, but that's it. Like what, what more do you do? I mean, like the idea of saying to a player, don't make any mistakes is a bit kind of nonsensical, isn't it? Because Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not, that's what they'll be doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Charlie Hunt had a question. Are we playing more long balls this season compared to last? And are we going more gung-ho than last season? My perception is last season we knocked it around the back a lot more and controlled uh, games better. I did look for the, the stats on this, but what I did find is that, you know, that our use of long balls is very much dependent on teams that we're playing against so yeah. there's some so for example against Wolves we played a, a huge amount of long balls in that game um, and against uh, for example Palace yesterday we didn't play many at all um, no. that's that's presumably a, a, a team instructions thing where Bielsa is telling people to do certain things and in some games and not others um, my perception is that we are going longer a bit more we are trying to hit wingers in channels um, yeah. and uh, yeah, we're trying to transition quickly and then and then try and catch up with the rest of the team. Um, have we lost control from doing that? Yeah, of course we have. But we're playing in the Premier League now, not the Championship. So I think that's um, I think that's all um, that's to be expected, right? What's your What's your take on this? Yeah, I think um, I think Palace had the out ball to Harrison very well scouted yesterday, and and they they were kind of ready to spring that at any any given moment, which I think is why we didn't play that that out ball to Harrison as often as we we have done um, in the past. Mm-hmm. I, I think we we do play a more direct style. Um, I think that direct style is more to be else's preference than than the knock the ball laterally across the back four feed it into midfield, feed it back to the back four, than that kind of style that we saw sometimes in the championship, just because teams were sat so deep that we needed to try to do something to just draw them out a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I'd say that we're not, I, I always kind of cringe a bit when, when I hear long ball, because what we're doing isn't long ball. We're trying to play more direct passes that cut more people out. I think that's, that's how I'd describe it. Um, mm. But I, yeah, I we're not trying to get we're not trying to get strikers in behind the line of defence, are we? In that sense? no, no, absolutely, absolutely not. Um, but I, I think I think we we play more passes over a greater distance than we used to do, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Right. Let's move on to the defensive side of things. There's a couple of questions I'm going to skip because I feel like we've talked about the defence. Yeah. All game. Um, all, all game. All, all podcast episodes so <laughs> far. But um, so Jay Brennan says, at what point does Strout become the patron saint of all stats? Aren't we given that we're unlikely to see Foreshaw ever again? Uh, which brings uh, us nicely into this, <laughs> into the topic of uh, Strout. But yeah, what's what, how would you answer that? Comrade Strike, not not, <laughs> not, not, not saint. Thank you. Um, yeah. No, I, I um, yeah. Well, he's he's a bit good, isn't he? You know, I, I think I think the the reason we we talk about him and and it's not just on the channel, folks. It's in the group chat too. Um, is is that that he does a lot of things that that we like to see very well. So I I I'm going to say something controversial here. I think he's better at taking the ball on the half turn than Calvin is. I think Calvin quite often gets caught flat footed in that position, and that causes us problems. Um, I think I think Stroke's decision making about which pass to play is very, very good. Um, I think his his ability to play passes of, of you know short to middle distance with either foot 
is is a real advantage to us and and sometimes um because Calvin is so right footed we 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 can sometimes struggle with that i think defensively the positions he takes up are by and large very good and he's very good at sniffing out and snuffing out danger um Albeit yesterday he was up against a very tricky opponent in in Eze, and I think there, w- there were times when he when he struggled and didn't win didn't win the ball. But w- what he always does is if he, if he doesn't win the ball, is he buys the other players time to get into better positions. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm uh, as you may have picked up from the last thirty seconds or so, quite a big fan of him. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Jacob Stanbridge said, lots of fans seem to think Strout played really badly, but I thought he was one of our best players and especially excelled in distribution. Keen to hear your thoughts. Um, I'm obviously going to be pro Strout. I I really like him um, for all the reasons that you mentioned. And what I loved about your assessment there is that you're thinking about like role. Like, what is he doing? Like, what is it that yep. we expect him to do? And... Um, I think comparisons with Calvin, I think, are fair. And I think important, too, because you, you have to remember that Calvin Phillips is is an interesting one to assess because, one, he's like a homegrown talent. Um, yep. He's from he's from Leeds, so we're all, all automatically going to be pro-Calvin in that regard. Um, he also has, like, a really cool story, you know, sort of being played as a 10-slash-8 and then being reinvented. I mean, I think that story is a little bit overblown because Gary Monk did play him basically in a double pivot at times yeah. before before Bielsa arrived. But making him into a single pivot and, and really getting the most out of him is a good story. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, is that Calvin played two seasons as one of the best players in the championship. So I think, again, that sort of maybe clouds our judgment on him. And we've not seen him as much in the Premier League. I don't know what his minutes are, but he's probably split his minutes fairly evenly with with yeah. Strauch so far. Um, and, and at least Mateusz Klick has played there for a few games as well. Um, but I do think it is worth it. Obviously, we're not saying that, that Strauch is as good as Calvin Phillips. Absolutely um, not. But I do think that the questions have to be asked about what it is that that, that role is about and how it's played. And and uh, I think that's that's really... Because it seems to me that a lot of the criticisms yesterday were about um, Stroud didn't didn't progress the ball quickly enough or well enough. Um, as and, and, and certainly if Calvin was there, he would have done that more, et cetera, et cetera. But... One one thing I would say to that is, firstly, like team instructions are something I've talked about already in this podcast. But when you see Strout doing something in one game and then, um, or not doing something that Calvin's done in previous games, it doesn't necessarily mean one that he can't do that. We know yeah. that Strout's got a great ball on him. On he's got a great left foot on him because we've seen him use it in the championship where he played that ball to uh, Jan Paveda in the the five nil against Charlton. I think it was. Oh, uh, was it in the, that game? The, yeah, yeah, the yeah. one where um, Shackleton scored. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, we've seen he can do that. He's got that in yeah. his locker. Um, just because he didn't do that much yesterday doesn't mean to say that he can't do it. It may well be the case. And we've seen we've already said we didn't see many crossfield balls yesterday. Um, no. I suspect that's because Bielsa didn't want them to be playing crossfield balls. Um, so that's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is that, uh, as I've said before, you know the, the the role of the player in that position is to is to help the build up play into the fullback area. So one you give an an option for the for the center backs to go to you if they don't if they can't find the, yeah. the fullback and then secondly you're sort of you pick the ball up and then with your back to goal and then you try and get it to the fullback if if the center back plays it to you or yeah. you can be there as an as an outball for the fullback if they've got the ball and then you can move it down either through the through the center or into the into the wingers. It's all about yeah. facilitation and Yesterday, like his stats yesterday are good. He he attempted thirty five passes. He made thirty three. He um yep. he he made more tackles and more pressures than uh, Calvin did in 
in the game yesterday than than Calvin did in the whole game against um, against Wolves, um, which is added to the fact that Calvin played as a, as a centre back for a bit of that game as well. So he's doing like he's doing the same sorts of things that Calvin's doing. He's he's doing them just as well as Calvin. I don't think you can. Yeah, you can maybe blame the the last goal on him, give or take. But at that point, it's already three one down with with not a lot much time to go. At that point, you've just got to say. Strauch and Calvin are sort of comparable at, at this level. Yeah, maybe Calvin's got a higher ceiling than Strauch, um, but they do have different skill sets, and I, I think they're both good enough to play in that position. And I don't understand why, if just because we've lost a game, we sort of have to point and say, well, Calvin's one of our best players. He's not on the field, therefore we have to blame the player who's replaced him because it must be something to do with him. I don't think it's that simple. No, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, obviously, I. I... I absolutely want Calvin Phillips on the pitch for every game if possible. But if he can't be on the pitch, Strauch isn't one of the players I worry about. If if I, I think that I think that in terms of like the passing range and the, and the types of passes that, that he played, I think probably you'd say the best thing that Calvin's done this season was in that first game against Liverpool where he where he sent that pass over for Jack Harrison. Mm-hmm. Well, that pass just wasn't on yesterday. That, that that wasn't the sort of game it was. Liverpool play very high. They send their fo- full-backs up the pitch. They leave yeah. lots of space in behind. So clearly, a tactic that was going to work for us in that game was to send the ball over the top to, to the wingers and try to get them in behind. Uh, had Stroke been on the pitch, you know, he may or may not have found a pass similar to that. But, um, but I, I, yeah, I absolutely don't think that... that he was in any way culpable for the for the defeat yesterday. I thought he was really good in the first 20 minutes against Villa. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think he's a really solid alternative uh, in that position. I think the alternatives higher up in the midfield are more of a problem to us than, yeah. than that one. And one final thing to say, the context of the game yesterday is the last time he played was against Villa. He was hauled off after 20 minutes um, and he came came on yesterday and I thought had a really good game, just got on with yeah. it and, and, and was basically faultless. In the first half, he misplaced a pass um, because he, he went in for a challenge, won the ball back. Uh, and then sort of tr- attempted a difficult ball sideways and it didn't come off and that was yeah. that was the mistake that he made in the first half and i kind of think it's unfair to 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 say that he, people think he looks sluggish and that he doesn't find space well enough and i just i genuinely don't understand that criticism no i don't i think his lateral movement's great he moves yeah. he moves he moves across the line and, and gives options to the full backs in a really ob- uh, into the center center backs rather in in a really clever way as far as i can see yeah anyway Comrade Strauch will be will be put to bed. We'll move on to to talk about Comrade Cooper. Josh Mentlack says, "Is Cooper good enough?" Question mark. I know this is a topic dear to your heart, Darren. So why don't you wax lyrical? I'm I'm not going to wax lyrical because I don't, I'm not going to say that by any stretch of the imagination he was amazing yesterday. But I I just I've seen him get so many pelters on Twitter overnight. Is he good enough? You know, and the old Lee One Liam thing coming back out and mm. and all that kind of thing. And I honestly, you know, I've watched the game twice now. And yesterday I was watching it with my emotional head on and today I was watching it with my my more analytical one on. And I really can't see a huge amount that he did wrong. I mean, he, he, he by and large, won, won his challenges. He used the ball about as well as he usually does. He... Yeah, he, he just he just gave a good performance. There was no calamitous errors in there, um, and I think people are, using, are, are kind of looking at the scoreline and doing that thing of assuming that it must be the defend a, a defender's fault or an individual's fault. Yeah. And a default for us is to is to criticise Liam Cooper. Now, when it's fair to criticise a player, I'll absolutely do it. But I just don't think that it's a reasonable reaction to his performance yesterday. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. The other. Um 
person who took a, a load of the blame was Melier, who was also uh, uh, one of your uh, prodigies. So Matt Chapman <laughs> says, how much was Melier at fault today? So how would you uh, answer that? Okay, so I think for the first goal, I, I, don't, I don't put him at fault for that one at all. It's a massive deflection and it loops and a looping ball coming at pace is always difficult for a goalkeeper. It goes in off the bar. He gets pretty close to it. Yeah, he's behind the line and I think that's the one thing that you, you can say, you know, if it had been in front of the line, it would have still looped over him um, as far as I'm concerned. So I don't, I don't put him at fault for the first one. I think for the free kick, I don't, I, yeah, he's, he's not at fault for that. I think the third one's the interesting one, um, the, the deflection. I think his, his initial position is absolutely fine. He's, he's anticipating a cross coming in. I think the one mistake he makes is that he starts to move his weight to his left foot at the point the, the, cr- the cross is struck, and he doesn't react quickly enough to the deflection. Um, having said that, I still think you could, you, that Costa could go to block that cross a hundred times and it'd still never go where it went. It it was just an absolutely unreal and cruel and unlucky deflection. But I do think there is some fault uh, for Melier there and just in terms of not reacting to the situation quickly enough. Yeah, I, th- I think it has to be said that it is it's such an outlier situation. He was, like like we said, like when have you ever seen that happen before? I, I'm yeah. sure he's never experienced that sort of situation before and it, it felt like a lot of people saying he reacted really slow to it but I think it's really hard to read a deflection like that when you see yeah. it coming in from the angle so you've got to firstly you've got to try and judge where the the, the direction of the ball between the player's foot and then the defender's yeah. foot so you've seen that and you're he'll be reacting as much to the player's body movements as the ball movement he will Absolutely. have seen yeah. the ball being kicked and think that's going central and it's obviously redirected and by the time he's actually judged where it's going He's he's just not able to get back. I think it's a, it's a horrible thing because it's one of those things you look back on. And you think, oh well, that looks really obviously a goalkeeper error, but it's just such a it's such an outlier situation that it's hard to judge someone on that. Absolutely, and I think when that sort of deflection happens, it's normally around the kind of the the, the where the six yard box meets the meets the touchline that sort of area and I think he's got it's much easier for him to react there but because the the ball's in in such a weird position when the deflection happens I I you know while while I do think he could have reacted more quickly um or perhaps been a bit more um a bit a bit less with his weight shifted to one side um you know, I, I still think it's a, a massively unusual situation and, and not one that, which necessitates us to immediately go out and buy a new goalkeeper, which is what I've seen <laughs> people suggesting that we go buy Romero now because he's, uh, he's, I think Man United are going to make him available. Oh dear. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's two games in a row um, where the scoreline's horrible and, yeah, we've probably got a bit of a rougher run of games coming up so you it's sort of palace we wanted to win and and so there's maybe a little bit of nerves coming in as we as we sort of feel as though we've almost done enough to justify staying in the league but we've only got 10 points of the probably 35 that we'll need and you kind of the nerves are creeping in but it's so important at this point to just sort of I'll I'll say it. Trust the process and and know yes. that you know we've not we don't need to throw up the throw out the copybook because the process is largely working. Some of the results have gone the wrong way, um, but you know we we'll, we we will have some results this season which do the other. We've seen it already. You know there's there's games yeah. where we've got like the Sheffield United game. We could easily have drawn or lost that game in another circumstance. So you just got to take that and say it worked out for us in that game. We've had a couple of unlucky ones in a row now. So just sort of moving on to the to the next few games and trying to get what we can out of them. 
Yeah, and I, I think yesterday the game actually reminded me more of the Sheffield United game than than of any other game that we'd seen this season. And in, in that actually it was it was a really close it was a really close game despite what the scoreline said at the end. Mm. Um, right, we've got questions about the attacking side of the game. Um, there's lots on Harrison being bad. Um, Joe Brennan again says, what do you make of the inevitable outpouring of Harrison Hay? I thought with Click and Raf- Rafinha, he dis- he tried all game to tr- create versus a very tough defence. Um, Sean D. Naylor says, are we underusing Rafinha? One, the ball isn't passed to him often enough, early enough when he's in space. Two, should he be starting? Three, with his ability on the ball and range of passing, could he be used somewhere more centrally so um yeah let's talk about the the wide players yesterday what were your feelings on on the three wide players who were used i thought that i, I did i did think that harrison had a, a pretty poor game um i thought his i thought his decision making was was pretty bad i thought his his delivery when he had chances to deliver was was poor i think i think he dithered on the ball quite a few times in in quite dangerous areas when a more decisive action would have would have helped um but we, we we quite often see that from him when when he's playing against defenses which which are packed quite tightly. And by the time we were attacking in a really consistent way, that's what was happening. So I think that he was he was always going to struggle because um, Palace were doubling up on that side. Um, and and it, yeah, it just it was just it wasn't a good game. The thing I was most cross with him for was the sloppy pass for the fourth goal, um, which you know really put us under the under the gun. Um, I think in terms of Rafinha, yeah, he he showed some. Really interesting, skillful, exciting touches, and I think he will be a really exciting player for us to watch this season. I think the only thing I would say is that the the, the times when he was able to do those things were around the halfway line and weren't really going to make a huge amount of difference to our to our final attacking output. We we need to find a way to get the ball to him um, in 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 areas where he can have more of an impact. Um, and again, um, I think. Palace came with a game plan to stop us from getting the ball wide or from using the the, the wings as as much as we have earlier on uh, in the in the season. So I, I think that in time he will be really exciting, and and I, I think he showed enough yesterday to show that he's probably not far from a start. Um, but yeah, I, I think watch this space really with him. Um, and I, I didn't I, I didn't think Costa was. I thought Costa was really neutral. I don't think he had any impact on the game whatsoever apart from that deflection. Yeah. No, I think I agree with with your um, assessments. I think Rafinha is going to be interesting, but I just feel like I want to see him from the start of a game. I want to yeah. see him against, I don't know, a team like, I don't know, Burnley maybe. I mean, I, I yeah. know we should, we could probably have said that against, about Palace as well, but he comes on 3-1 down against Palace. I'd just like to see him from the beginning for a full game just to get a sense of like what, what he adds and... Um, I guess again, the question has to be like, how are we going to fit him into our system? Are we going to try and play him yeah. in that Harrison on the Harrison side? Because I feel like he's very much available to play that same sort of isolation figure on the on the left. The ball gets played to and brings it down and causes havoc from that side. Whilst the build-up is happening on the right, but um, we haven't really seen that happen that much um, so far. No, you, but you can just tell by just by seeing the first few things that he's done that that yeah, he's going to be exciting, but he's going to absolutely frustrate the piss out of. Out of us at, at times. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think I think you called him raw in the in the group chat, John, and I agree with that. He does he does look he does look raw. He looks mm. exciting. He looks quick. He looks skillful. But I think his I think there will be times when he makes decisions which don't uh, which don't help in the build up. Yeah. 
It's the same thing with Harrison, isn't it? Like you have to take yeah. the pros and the cons together. Like the reason why Harrison is an exciting talent is because um, because he is going to try things that don't come off and yeah. he is just going to be um, ruthless sometimes. And the same is true of Rafinha, I think, is that he's just going to be try, just going to be really direct, really pacey. He's going to be tricky on the ball. He's going to come central, go down the line. Um, and, you know, when it comes off, he'll look great. But there's going to be times when you just think, why haven't you not squared that to him? Or why yeah. have you yeah. Yeah. gone that way rather than the other? It's just the way that it is. And you just have to take the, the rough with the smooth. Yeah, Harrison had one of those days where we could still be playing now and he wouldn't have managed to to get yeah. to find find a Leeds player or beat his man. But what I will say is that, that and, and this is always true of him, his defensive work off the ball was absolutely fantastic yesterday. Yeah. He really he really put a shift in. Um and and the not just not just for sheer effort, but in terms of you know, he, he kind of um in terms of things like cutting off the passing lane, in terms of, you know, kinda of using his brain in those defensive situations, I thought he was really good. Yeah. And uh, I guess Rafinha is going to be interesting from that regard because I don't think he's going to be as good defensively as Harrison. And I think that is yeah. something that Bielsa cares about and will impact his decisions to, to play one or the other. Yeah. Um, Tom Bedford says, Rafinha is absolutely great and I want him to get a game where there isn't pressure on him to try too hard to make things happen. What do you make of Roberts, though? Seems a bit lost at the moment in terms of his position in the team. I think this is just a recurring question this season isn't it why yeah when you when you see Roberts warming up on the sideline you just kind of feel as though there's there's no hope that we're going to see anything more attack minded happening on on the pitch um feels very much as though Roberts is a striker I think we I mean the all stats aren't we position is known on this Roberts is a striker who is yeah. being played as a as a sort of eight attacking eight and it's not working yeah I couldn't agree more with Tom there I think that um it, it, he he does struggle. He does seem lost. He doesn't quite seem to know how to impact a game from that position. He doesn't seem to know how to make himself available for the ball in in useful areas in in that position. So yeah, if if he's going to come on, he needs to be coming on for Bamford uh, at the end of the games for me, rather than for, for from from in the midfield area. Hmm. Right, we should pull this to a close. There's loads of questions that I've jumped over because we've had so much to talk about, but I apologise if we haven't uh, answered your question. We really appreciate them. We did read all of them and and went through them all, so thank you for that. Um, I think it's good to to try and do our positives at the end of the of the, of the uh, game to try and uh, feel <laughs> feel good about something. So I wondered if you'd drawn up any positives, Darren. Yeah, um, I thought Click was um, outstanding yesterday I thought he, and and in fact I think he's consistently been excellent all the way through the season so far so he he was he was definitely the the probably the man of the match for me even though he came out on the losing side um I I thought Stroke was was really good and and I I enjoy watching him play and um I'm going to go for Rafinha as the third positive just in terms of the level of excitement that 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 I felt when he turned that kid inside out on the halfway line and that 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 made me feel happy in a game where I wasn't particularly feeling happy for the rest of it yeah I've got to add to that I would add Pat Bamford continues to give me a huge amount of joy um what what a brilliant striker he is and has been in the Premier League so far this season yes there are occasional lapses but just how well taken his first goal the disallowed goal was uh, how well taken the second one was um given the the pressure he was under and he just sort of cleaned it away absolutely brilliant and I I would add to that maybe the link up play between Bamford and Click uh, because yep. both of those chances came from those two and they are becoming a really really important source of creativity in this team yeah absolutely cool so looking forwards um a couple of just a quick question I thought was a fun question to sort of 
sentence answer. Um, Josh Holden says, when Phillips, Urente, Rodrigo are back, do you think they should all start? Phillips and Rodrigo will start because they are the, the first choice in the, in their positions in the team. I think the Urente question is really interesting um, and I suspect he won't start I think I think he's he's gonna have to wait for his chance until probably uh un- until Cock gets injured yeah I think it's again one of those things situations where it's important not to just jump on players who we have who haven't played yet as a solution to problems that we see yeah. in the team I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case looking forward there's obviously a couple of weeks off for the uh, international break so you'll be seeing a slightly less activity on this channel for for the, the next few weeks um i will be putting out a patreon episode that we did with david sumter interviewing him about his new book um the 10 equations that rule the world and how you can use them it's called um but he david's a really interesting guy he's worked with barcelona worked with the england football team works with the swedish football team as well um so there's plenty of football stuff in there it was a, a fun conversation anyway i thought um i enjoyed having it um so we'll be putting that out for free on our free to uh, listen uh, channel so if you listen to the podcast you'll hear that over there so that'll be going up at some point later this week other than that we've got arsenal after the break the under 23s have got a game against west brom on the 23rd so those are the the two dates to have in your diary um, if you do like our content and you do want to get more of it then head over to our patreon channel our patreon channel is a way for you guys to get bonus uh, material that we put out um, that only you can see as patrons uh, but also helps us to keep the the channel going there's a lot of costs involved with running an outlet like this so any help that we uh, that you can send our way is really um, uh, beneficial to us three people who've done that this week are daniel fatterini arib khan and meno van der veen so thank you you three for for getting on board um and that leaves me with nothing else to do but to say thank you to my comrade and co-host today darren <laughs> darren thanks very much for for coming on it's been great having just the, the two of us for a, for a change yeah it's been fun thanks john thanks yeah. very much and we will see you enjoy your next couple of weeks off ish and uh, we'll see you, see you after that catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 